go to the book of Psalms, you go back two books, you'll find yourself in the book of Esther. I want to review again today. I've been preaching on Esther for the last couple of weeks. In fact, we are in the, the final week, the home stretch of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and hasn't it been tremendous? Listen, listen, listen. Friday night, we had church. I mean, I'm talking about Friday night, in all seriousness, was one of the most powerful services I have ever been in, and and probably one of the most powerful services we've ever had as a church. It was unbelievable Friday night. If you were here Friday night, I mean, did you, was that was that incredible? Or was that incredible? It was awesome. It was awesome. And there's still time. Hallelujah. There's still time. We're meeting every night this week, Sunday, Friday, Sunday through Thursday at 7 to 8. We've been pretty good at getting you out at 8 o'clock. In fact, one day we let you out early. Probably won't happen again, but we did it. And then right about 8 o'clock, then Friday night I have another guest coming. So listen, Friday night's going to be tremendous. I have another guest speaker coming. He's going to pray for people and minister to people. And, and then also uh, Wednesday morning through we- Friday morning from 6 to 7 a.m., uh, we come and we pray and people are coming and praying. And it's, it's a time of private prayer. So what a fantastic 21 days of prayer and fasting we had. But we've been talking about Esther And what a unique book of the Bible Esther is. It's the only book of the Bible where God is not mentioned, either directly or indirectly. There's no mention of God in the Bible. Do you know that the book of Esther was actually banned? It was banned in Germany because of the content of this particular book. Hitler did not want anybody reading the Bible, but in particular the book of Esther and, and there is a Jewish holiday that is based on the book of Esther. The, the holiday of the holy day of Purim in the Jewish calendar is based on the book of Esther. What a fascinating, fascinating historical account in the book of Esther. Let me just kind of recap. We start every week, we have started every week with this particular verse, Esther chapter 7. Verse number two says, And on the second day, at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request up to half the kingdom? It shall be done. How did she get there? How does a peasant girl who has no royal blood, no Persian blood even, no wealth, no fame, no connection. How does she become queen of an empire as vast as Persia? How does she find such favor in front of that king that the king would actually say to her, whatever you ask, including up to half the kingdom, is yours. I mean, that is favor. And we said, for there to be increase, there has to be decrease. For someone to be promoted, someone has to be demoted. Uh, And so we said this, listen, God wants to increase you. He wants to cause favor to come upon you. He wants to cause an acceleration of your life. He wants you to move upward. But for God to increase you, something has to decrease. And here's what's decreasing. What's decreasing is our flesh, our worldly desires, 
our, our sinful nature, our stinking thinking, that has to go. And so we're decreasing in that. John the Baptist said it in John chapter 3, verse 30. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. And so that's what we're doing over these 21 days. We're saying, God, we want to get rid of the junk and we want you to bless us. We want you to cause your, your will and your purpose to be performed in our life. And so we're fasting so that the flesh can be, can be placed under and decreased in our life. And, and so even last Sunday, I talked about the story of Esther. She, she came into this beauty pageant as the underdog of all underdogs. Yet here she was, favored the minute she walked in the palace. She walked in the palace and she found favor. And she went through 12 months of beauty preparations, 12 months for one date, one night, 12 months getting ready. Oh, hallelujah. And all the husbands say, I know what that's all about right there. I know. I've been on the other end of that one. Yeah, 12 months for one night. But it wasn't just 12 months. It was how those 12 months were separated. Six months with the oil of myrrh. Myrrh was a detoxifier. Myrrh would take things out of you. Myrrh would pull out the impurities. And so for six months, she would bathe in the oil of myrrh to soften the callous skin. Listen, she had skin that was hard from, from labor and from, from her lifestyle. She was, she was poor. She was a peasant. And her lifestyle a hardness to come upon her skin, but she would soften her skin in the oil of myrrh. That's what repentance does. It softens our hearts. That's what fasting does. It softens our heart towards God. And then she spent the next six months in the oil of perfumes. Hallelujah. And we said this, 1 Peter 2, 9 says that he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's not just what he wants to take out of you. It's also what he wants to put in you. God wants to bless you. God wants to favor you. God wants increase to come in your life. God wants to promote you in so many different ways. But he wants to take something out of you so that he could put something in you. Amen? He's called us out of and into, out of and into. And I asked you two questions, and I said, here are the two questions I want to ask you. And the first question is this, what is God calling you out of this year? Listen, she didn't just mask the odor of perfume. She didn't just try to cover up. She didn't just go straight to the perfume. She said, God, I want you to take this out of me. Take out, take out the junk. Take out the garbage. She spent six months taking out. What is God calling out of you this year? What do you need to do less of? What thinking needs to, to lessen in your life? What needs to change? And then let me ask you this next question. What does God want to put in you this year? Hallelujah. What is God setting you up for? What is God moving you into position for? What does God want to do on the inside of you? What peace is lacking in your life that he wants to give you? What joy is lacking in your life that he wants to give you? It's not just what he wants to take from you. It's what he wants to put in you. Amen. And so we talked about that last week. Now, let's really get into the historical account of Esther today. We didn't even make it out of the first two chapters, but we're making it out of them today. 
We're making it all the way to the fourth chapter today. But we're going to start in chapter three. Listen, everybody wants the first two chapters. If Esther's life was just all about a, a crown being put upon her head, then it would be a great story. If, if Esther's life was, was only the account of how she went from rags to riches, how she went from a peasant to a queen, then it would be a great story. But listen, everybody wants the first two chapters. Woo! Crown gets put on our head. We all get to be queen for a day. Now, some of you, in fact, probably nobody in here is old enough to remember, but there used to be this game show called Queen for a Day. Now, nobody in here is old enough to remember that, but in other churches, there are people that old. And so, and so the host would begin to interview these, these women, and they would begin to give sob stories, and they begin to tell how, how hard their life is. And, and there was an applause meter, and the applause meter would judge who gets to be queen for a day. And then the host, Jack Bailey, would sign off, saying, uh, I wish that everybody would be queen, not just for a day, but for every day. This is your host, Jack Bailey, signing off. And that's how that game show ended. But it's not just queen for a day. Listen, Esther was set up to be queen for life. Oh, if the story just ended there, what a marvelous story it would be. But the favor of God comes with an attachment. The favor of God comes with not so fine print. And that attachment is called purpose. The favor of God comes with purpose. Would you go to Esther chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. Let's begin to read. It says, And after these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the son of Hamathada, the Agagite. Now listen, that's a very important phrase in a person. The advanced and advanced him and set him above all the princes who were with him and all the king's servants who were within the king's gates bowed and paid homage to Haman for the king had commanded concerning him but Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? Verse 4 says, now it happened when they spoke to him daily that he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay, homage, pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. This man named Haman gets promoted, and he's a, a Gadjite. And, and, and that's important because you need to know uh, that, that it wasn't just pride that filled Mordecai's heart. He didn't just feel like it. There was a king several books earlier, several, several decades earlier, uh, called King Agag. King Agag was an 
Israel. He tried to wipe out the children of Israel. He tried to destroy the Jewish people. And so this man was a descendant of that kind of racism, that kind of segregation, that kind of evil. This man was a direct descendant of him. And so the Bible says that Mordecai refused to bow because he saw in this same Haman that same kind of racism, that same kind of evil. And he said, I will not pay homage to that kind of evil. I will not pay homage to that kind of racism. So Mordecai didn't bow. Well, Haman allowed anger to fill his heart. And Haman was, was in such a high position that he went to King Ahasuerus. And he said, King Ahasuerus, we need to do something about these Jewish people. We need to, they, they don't follow your laws. They're different. Their customs are different. They don't, they don't follow your decrees. And King Hazarus said, well, whatever you want to do is fine. Here, here's my ring. Here's my You do whatever you feel is necessary. And Haman actually had ordinances written up to wipe out the Jewish people. It was not enough to kill Mordecai. It was not enough to kill Mordecai's family. He wanted to wipe out the Jewish people from the face of the earth. Didn't you think it was going to be that easy, huh? Didn't you think that, that you were just going to be able to waltz into your destiny? You were just going to be able to waltz into purpose? You were just going to be able to waltz into the favor of God and the blessings of God? I, I hope you didn't think it was just going to be that easy. I hope, I hope you didn't think that there would be no opposition. I, I hope you didn't think that, that it was just going to be you get to come to church and the devil never messes with you and the devil never tries to destroy your family and the devil never tries to make you go bankrupt and, and you never have any pain and you never have any heartache. I hope you didn't think that that was the case because I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. There is an enemy out to destroy you. There is somebody out to mess you up. There is opposition to your dream. I mean, you really didn't think that you were going to have an overcoming life without having anything to overcome. No, no. There's always opposition, there's always the resistance, there's always somebody or something trying to destroy the plan and the purpose of God in your life. And Esther was about to meet him face to face. She was about to have an encounter with the one who is trying to destroy her and her people. But God positioned her at the right place at the right time. She was about to go from just a person of favor. Listen to this. She was about to go from just a person of favor to a person who walked in divine purpose. Now listen to me. The highest accomplishment, the highest accomplishment in this life is the fulfillment of divine purpose. It's more important than the big house and the nice car. Nothing wrong with those things. It's more important than, than the ambition of the corner office or, or getting your kids off to college or, or, or just trying to be healthy or just trying to get ahead. It's more important than any of that stuff that you would fulfill your divine purpose on this earth. Nothing could be more important than that. Nothing could be higher than that. And listen, Israel was in serious trouble. 
They had no king. They had no army. Listen to me. They had no weapons of war. They had no priesthood. They had no prophet. They didn't have any of that going. They had no defense against this except one young lady in whom the purpose of God and the favor of God rested. The only thing they had going for them was the queen. God save the queen. Come on, somebody. God save the queen. You might be the only person in your family. You might be the only person on the job. You might be the only person in your neighborhood. You might be it. You might be the only one calling on God. You might be the only person calling on God and saying, God, I want you to bless my family. I want you to save my my family. I want you to do a work in my family. You might be the only one, but God only needs one. Amen? He only needs one person filled with purpose and divine favor. Somebody say, hallelujah. That's it, just one. And God used one. And her name was Esther. And Esther chapter 4, just flip over with me one chapter. We're going to find out exactly. Here's what it says in verse number 10. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command for Mordecai. Mordecai had been sitting outside the gate of the palace. He had adorned himself with sackcloth and ashes, and he began to wail at the decree that was, that was made. Verse 11 says, and all the king's servants, this is Esther speaking, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called He has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. Esther said basically this, Mordecai, what do you want me to do? I mean, you know the law. Listen, I've got favor but I don't have that kind of favor. I've got influence, but I don't have that kind of influence. I mean, I may have influence in, in the bedchamber, but I don't have influence in the throne room. I mean, you know, he likes me and I'm pretty and all, but hey, there's this law. And the law says if I try to go in while he's on the throne without being called, I'm immediately to be put to death. One of the guards there can take me out without ever having to hear the command. The only exception, Mordecai, is that if the king lifts the golden scepter in his hand to me, then I live. But I don't know. He hasn't called for me in 30 days. He hasn't seen my face in 30 days. He hasn't enjoyed my company in 30 days. What do you really want me to do? See, you didn't think it was going to be easy. You didn't think that that you were just going to waltz into blessing and waltz into favor without there being some sort of risk. You you didn't think that it was just going to happen, right? 
You, you had to know that there was going to have to cost you something. There was going to have to be something in your life that had to change and, and transition, that, that you were going to have to do something different to get something different, that you were going to have to change some thinking in order to change some lifestyle. And so Esther says to Mordecai, Mordecai, what do you want me to do? In verse number 13, it says this, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? For such a time as this. Who knows, Esther, that if this is not your divine purpose, your divine destiny, that it wasn't about robes and crowns and, and oil and myrrh and perfume, that it wasn't about all that, that it was about you saving a generation, a nation, a people, generations to come. That's why you're here. That's your purpose. Listen, with the favor comes this addendum, comes this attachment, comes this fine print. God has a purpose for your life. A purpose for your life. I want you to think about your own life. How did you get here today? You say, Pastor, well, I got out of my house and I walked to my car. No, I'm not talking about how, how you drove here. I, I'm not talking about Southern Boulevard or Seminole Pratt. I, I said, how did you get here today? Think about this. How many decisions did you have to make to end up in that seat where you were at? Oh, not one. No, not five and not ten. Thousands of decisions over your lifetime were made. They brought you to South Florida, to Palm Beach County. They brought you to the house that you're living in right now. They brought you to a coworker or a neighbor. They brought you to, to pass a, a sign or, or to see a, a website. All those decisions, all of them brought you to this moment to where one day you walked into a high school little theater or a high school auditorium or you walked into this building today. Thousands of decisions. And any one of them were made differently, you'd be someplace else. But in those thousands of decisions that were made, listen to me, not just by you. So let's go to millions of decisions that were made by parents and, and then grandparents and then ancestors that, that some of you were, were even born in, in different nations, but somehow you're here today. How did you get here? God orchestrated it. God brought you to this place. God caused you to be invited. God caused this building to be built. God caused these chairs to be made so that you could sit in them. Everything was orchestrated by the hand of God that would bring you to this moment, this time, to this day, to this very service where you could hear these words. You were brought here for such a time as this. There's purpose on the inside of you. There's destiny on the inside of you. Don't think you got here by accident. You didn't get here by accident. Amen. 
you got here by divine purpose because God wants you to hear these words today. You're here for such a time as this, such a moment as this. Boy, Friday night, I'm telling you, I was still, yesterday, I was still on cloud. I was just, I, I just levitated all day yesterday. I was just levitating all around. Friday night, God spoke a word to me personally through the preaching that, man, it just, I'm telling you, I told the church Sunday morning, it was as if I was nine months pregnant and the baby had learned karate. I mean, that thing just kicked and leaped on the inside of me. I heard it so clearly, and, and, and it's like he just went over it. He didn't say it to me directly. He just said it. But he said these words, this is your makeup year. And when he said that, whoo, I just began to just get so excited. Listen, not just for myself. And we're believing this is a makeup year for Cynthia and I. This is the year God makes things up that, that we had to go through 10 years ago and 15 years ago and, and 20 years ago. And, and, and this is our make, we're believing that this is our makeup year. But as I begin to look around the room, I begin to see faces. And I begin to see individuals. And I begin to see couples. And I know the difficulties. And I know the loss. And I know the pain. And I know the heartache that each person had gone through. And I begin to look at their life. And I begin to say, this is their makeup year. Hallelujah. Oh, if you need a makeup year, shout amen. If you need a makeup year, say hallelujah. If you need God to make up this year from last year, if, listen, you want things to be different, if you say, God, I need you to make something up because I don't want this year to look like last year, hallelujah, then you need to jump in. You need to say, that's it. That's it. I want this year to be. This is a makeup year. Hallelujah. I said, God, that's it. That's it. This is, this is, we've come now to this season, to this moment in this church. In fact, we, we've begun to say, we, we need to make changes. Even before that service, I had met with the elders about making some changes. And, and, and we're changing. Over the next two weeks, I'm going to announce some exciting, not, not huge. I mean, one of them is huge, but, but not all of them are huge. And, and so just some, some changes and some, some things. I'm telling you, you're going to be so excited. I'm telling you, I'm just, mm, hallelujah. Because this is... A makeup year. Hallelujah. This is a year when God makes it up. Hallelujah. And so I just, I got so excited about that. But we have to understand that it's going to cost. There's going to be some risk involved. Listen to verse number 15. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. After that incredible speech that he gives, that, that, that life-changing speech where he says, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, something leaps inside of Esther as well. And she says this in verse number 16, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. <laughs> if I perish, I perish. My wife and I, we've been fasting for the last 14 days uh, here and there and, and doing some fasting. And we've looked at each other and we've said, if I perish, 
I perish. In other words, we've said it's necessary. We have to risk something. It's going to cost us something. Listen, you cannot get there from where you are right now. Listen, you cannot climb the ladder of faith with your feet still on the ground. Hallelujah. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to do something different. And you've got six more nights. Hallelujah. To jump right in. And say, God, I want to do something different. And I don't care what it costs me. Listen, you, you can't do what we've done over the last 14 days and keep a normal schedule. There's nothing normal about it. We, we've missed out on, on kids' activities, and, and we've, we've missed out on, on fun times, and we've missed out on entertainment, and, and we've missed out on, on food, and we've missed out on, on, on a lot of things because we just knew it's, it's, this is our year. This is a year where we have to risk something. This is a year where we have to say, no, we're climbing the ladder of faith. We can't, we can't get there with our feet off on, on the ground. We can't get there. You know, listen, dirt, dishes might have to stay in the sink dirty. And, and the kids might have to go to bed past their bedtime. And, and, and things might have to look completely different. It don't have to be normal. Hallelujah. It can be different and still be awesome. Praise God. And you might have to do something different. It might have to cost you. It might have to be, who? here's a word, uncomfortable. But Esther said, if I perish, I perish. If I have to disconnect from the relationship, if I have to disconnect from friends, if I have to disconnect from the dinner table, from the lunch table, from the breakfast table, then if I perish, I perish. But I feel destiny on the inside of me. I feel purpose on the inside of me. I feel God calling me to something bigger than myself. Hallelujah. And I'm willing to risk whatever it is. See, many people will not step into divine purpose. Many people will not get it because they're not willing to risk anything. They're not willing to go without to be blessed. Esther said, let's fast. We're going to we're not going to eat or drink. Whoo, I've never tried that one. No drink for three days. No food for three days, but no drink for three days. You mean no hot tea? Huh? You mean no juices? No nothing? No, for three days. No eating and no drinking. Because they just knew they had a short window, short period of time to make a lifetimes worth of difference. Let me just ask you two questions before we go. Just two questions. I want you to listen to them. Listen to these two questions. The first one is this. What are you going to do with another year? Come on, you just have another year facing you. It's called 2016. What are you going to do with another year of your life. We only get so many of them. We don't know how many. We only get so many. Let me ask you, what are you going to do with another year? You say, well, pastor, I was trying to, you know, we're trying to pay some bills and we've got a really cool vacation planned in June. And, you know, kids are going to play sports and, and, uh, we're going to go watch their games and 
And uh, we may buy a new car this year. We may move into a new home. I mean, you know, all of that. It's great. That's fantastic. But don't you think that there's more than that God's called you to do? Don't you think there's more to life than that? What are you going to do with another year of your life? Are you going to let this year look anything like last year? Huh? That's the next question. How is this year going to look any different than last year? I want it to look different, and I enjoyed 2015. I had a great year, but I want it to look different. Hallelujah. Because I just know God's got more. God's got more for this church. I want this year to look different for this church than last year. And let me tell you, it's going to look different. I promise you that. Oh, if you only knew how different it's going to look. It's going to look different. God's got destiny on the inside of you. He's got purpose on the inside of you. Don't think that he favors you so that you can get a parking spot at the mall. No, that's not why he... That's not. I mean, we thank God when it happens. Thank you, Jesus, for a spot. But no, there's got to be more than the, the parking spot. There's got to be more than the blessings. There's got to be more than money in the bank. There's got to be more than that. There's got to be more than just a tiara on your head. You're called for a purpose, for a reason. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? What is it going to cost you? What are you going to have to give up?